Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, hustlers. We know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business, or let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you, introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Say goodbye to the stress of remembering tax dates or worrying about missed payroll runs. This bundle is designed to make your life easier and your business more efficient. And here's the best part. The cost starts just at 5,000 pesos per month for businesses with up to 10 employees. Yep, you heard that right. That's just 5,000 pesos per month. So why spend another minute drowning in payroll paperwork when Sprout can revolutionize the way you manage your payroll and government requirements? Take the first step towards a more efficient business today. Visit sprout.ph slash payroll starter monthly 5k. If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode. So click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode. The Hustle Share Podcast is brought to you by Union Digital Bank a fully digital bank with a mission to empower every Filipino everywhere by providing easy access to digital financial services for consumers and businesses. Union Digital Bank partners with startups to co-create financial products to meet the needs of their customers. Contact Union Digital Bank to explore how they can power your platform with embedded financial services. For more information about Union Digital Bank, please see their website at www.uniondigitalbank.io. Stay updated by following them on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Also brought to you by PayMongo, the payment gateway for business growth. PayMongo allows your business to accept online payments from your customers through Visa, MasterCard, Gcash, GrabPay, Maya, online banking, Buy Now, Pay Later, and many more. All with just one platform. Sign up for free at PayMongo.com. And brought to you by SeatCap. SeekCap is a lending platform powered by UBX Philippines. With SeekCap, you can easily apply for a loan from 5,000 pesos up to 1 million pesos from the comfort of your own home nationwide. Visit www.seekcap.ph, sign up, and apply for a loan now. That's www.seekcap.ph. Take your business to new heights by seeking capital with SeekCap. As an entrepreneur, as our startup founder, it's all about finding that relevant problem that you want to solve, right? But remember, when you're solving it, you also have to be unique and you have to be challenging yourself to level it all up, right? Welcome to Hustle Share. 
the podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences, but that our hustles are very much alike. Now here's your host, Ronster Beithyong. Welcome to the latest episode of the Share Podcast. We finally got this OG wanting to get the get this guy, but sometimes I just really don't know where he is. Is he in the Philippines? Is he in the US or somewhere around the world hustling and doing his stuff? But without further ado, let's welcome to the show Mr. Carlo Calimon of Startup Village. Whoop, whoop. Ron. Thanks, Ron. Finally. Hello, hello. <laughs> Finally, after a long, long time. Happy yep. to be here. Yeah, again, you, you're one of the OGs and I've seen you hustle as a founder and now you educate great founders to become, to not fuck up like us. Same way we did Because <laughs> <laughs> that's always a constant narrative. But before I get carried away, I need to ask you the million dollar question. Carlo, what's your hustle? My hustle is right now a startup village. Um, so been working hard on that. I'm still a startup founder in a sense, right? Except that my core right now is really helping the next generation of startups. So startup village is the main hustle at this point. Hustling around, trying to create new programs, trying to help more startups, trying to create opportunities for the Philippine startup ecosystem as a whole. So, yep. And again, you, you're a practitioner, you're a founder, and now there's no better person to actually help out how to be a founder than a founder himself, right? Because it's hard to really teach how to run a startup if you have not bled and sweat and then everything else in between to get that done. Yeah, definitely. You know, that's why at the core of Startup Village is really a wisdom-based approach. Uh, not just for me in particular. We do have a core of people that we reach out to who are not just educators, but practitioners themselves, right? Not necessarily just limited to, you know, startups as we know it entrepreneurs in general, right? So they come across from different industries and they're more than eager to help the next generation as well. So it's really passing on that kind of wisdom that you don't normally get from a book, right? So yeah, as we know that. Unfortunately, <laughs> entrepreneurship is done by doing. By yes. <laughs> right. All right. Now so, I need to ask you to buckle up real quick, bro. Because sure. before we talk about Startup Village, we need to go all the way back and understand your origin story because now we're gonna have to ride the hustle share time machine. Ah, there you go. <laughs> All right, and again, bro, again, I respect you as a founder. We've been it's funny because now it's a season like the the OG stuff is coming back, like the Geeks on a Beach and all these things. Uh, and yeah, yeah. Is back, like, oh my God, I've been I've been here for too long. But before <laughs> you became a startup founder, before you became a hustler, I want to understand your origin story, bro. What was it like growing up? And did you have any recollection of the first hustles you did? All right. Well, I come from a family of doctors, right? So oh, I didn't know my this. Pa- my, my parents are both doctors. My grandparents from my mom's side were doctors as well. So there was never really a role model for me to, in terms of, you know, entrepreneurship and getting into business and so on. But I remember when I was younger, my initial hustles were, you know, I, I, I used to collect comic books. Mm. So I, I needed to stretch and find a way to, you know, afford to buy my, my comic books, right? right? So I would save up and so on. But obviously that's not enough, right? So I remember my hustles before, when I was growing up, I used to clean cars. What? Right? 
I used to clean cars for the family and so on, just to get, you know, additional allowance. But also, I used to sell my notes. What? <laughs> so, so I, you're, I took a, that, you're a diligent student. You took notes. Wow. I was never a diligent student. But because I saw it as an opportunity, right, to make money for my, for my luho, for my hobbies, I started doing and taking down more notes. So I was really a, you know, I was really a geek, right? So never really had high grades, but took down notes. You know, people saw an opportunity and then made money very early. Made money out of that. So yeah, that, that, you know, sustained my, my collection, right? Nice. And also at the same time, I used to do, uh, I, I did comic book collection also. So I, I used to sell sell some stuff and so on. So, But it was really the taking down notes was I think one of my first hustles growing up, right? I'm curious when you said that you came from a family of doctors because being in the medical field is definitely one of the toughest and most time-consuming hustles out there. Because it's not just, it's not just, again, a job. It's a really, it really is a calling, right? And, you know, these are the, our doctors or our medical people requires a lot of sacrifice to be able to do that. But what did you see in your family's hustle that, you know, that were also instilled in you? Because again, this, this requires a lot of discipline and sacrifice yeah. to thrive in that environment. Definitely. I think the same thing that came out that I took from my, my, my family's profession is the passion for helping people, right? So being a medical practitioner, you have to have that caring mindset as well, right? At the end of the day, you're helping heal people. Right. And as an educator mentor myself, right, I think that's something that I was very passionate about, especially when I finished grad school. I, I was looking for a job that actually created bigger impact. Right. I didn't want a common job that just, you know, I'm just selling whatever. I, I wanted to make sure that whatever I sold or whatever profession I got into created an impact. And that's that has been common in every Endeavor that I got into. Nice. So, so after yeah. college, again, you 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 were contrarian by default. You wanted to not be going to the common path, which is a really good sign of being an entrepreneur, right? What was the very first job that you got into in terms of hustle and describe the type of skills you acquired in in those yeah. stints? So my first job after college, I, I used to work for a call center, and it oh, was wow. at the beginning of the whole contact center. It wasn't called the call center that yet. It was really back office. Um, customer support, right? And, you know, I stayed there for a while. Not too long. But one thing that I learned from that is being customer-centric and customer-oriented, right? So the high value of customer service, whether it's communication or whether it's written, you know, that's something that, you know, there was a structure. There was a formula in that. And up to now, I still use that same formula in whatever dealings that I do. The next job I, that I had was with an HR consulting firm, basically data services. So extreme, right? Wow. Okay. And customer service, then all of us at in pure back end, looking at data, putting on, entering data, crunching that data and so on. And that's when I realized that I'm not fit for the extreme sides. I wanted to be somewhere in the middle. Got it. So okay. I, I combined, you know, the knowledge and experience that I got from customer service and then processing data and so on. And I eventually came up, came up with whatever business that I uh, started after that. So. That's amazing. And again, this is a very solid skill stack as a 
baseline because when I was uh, starting out, I also did a call center. That's why I also I speak like this, right? Um, it, it's, it, it's indelible. It never left me. But I'm very curious about the data hustle, right? Can you talk about the skill stacks that you develop? Because again, if you're not in love with data and you probably don't have the inclination to really crunch it, that can get very old pretty quickly. What did you acquire in terms of, of skill set that you probably still bring with you now after marrying customer service? And then again, the data hustle after. The data hustle was, wasn't so much me, you know, creating all of these formulas and whatever, processing the data myself. It was more very menial, I guess, to a certain degree. Gathering the data, putting the data into the system, meticulously making sure that the data that was entered was accurate. How do you even know that? Oh, there, we had to check the back. Because the systems at the time were oh that mano, efficient. Mano-mano, right? right? Holy so, shit. Right? So the actuarial guys would have, you know, these sheets. There was this, I remember there was this initial platform that was also being updated. But remember, sorry, this is going to make me sound old, but that Don't was... Sorry, we, we all have Uban, bro. <laughs> <laughs> this is genetic, dude. Um, but, but still, it's, it's coming out. But mm-hmm. that time, it was early 2000s, right? So platforms and websites and all of these things were just starting out. So even when you enter the data into the system, you weren't sure whether or not it was going to be accurate. So you need to check the back end, make sure that the entry was correct. And then when it comes out, you have to do spot checks in terms of the data that actually came out, right? So you have to be meticulous. You have to, you know, double check. It's not about speed. It's about accuracy in the sense. But there was also that speed component because obviously you had deadlines and so on. So yeah, I, I think that, you know, I just grew an appreciation for looking at the numbers also at that time. So right, and and that's real hard labor right there. Because again, one false move, you put wrong data there, fucks everything up. Right? Yes, uh, it does. It does. <laughs> you can't put data without again an eye for accuracy. Because if you you mess it up, the whole mm-hmm. thing is wrong. Right, yeah, and I'm pretty sure these are data that's very, very, very important, and confidential at the same time. So, okay, you have these two skill stacks. Did you go business right away, or did you have another stint or a couple more stints that you added on top of that layer? Actually, after that, I decided to go back to go to grad school. Oh. Um, it was an opportunity for me to do a reset, right? So, you know, wanting to be more marketing and business development, and I didn't have a background for that. So it's like, oh, in college. Sorry, I skipped that uh, that part. Economics. Oh, okay. All right. So, so very general, that, broad level type of financials. Okay. Yeah. So decided to go to grad school. I saw I took it as an opportunity for reinvention. Right. And yeah, after that, just started doing what I do. All right. So that that's what that's obviously if you, if you I'm just referencing your LinkedIn, that's that's an aim. Right. But again, a lot of people had a very transformational experience when they go through it. I've had so many founders here that have been on the, the podcast that reference AIM or AIM as something that really changed her. Even the, the great Jomag always says oh, yeah. that Jomag, you know, yeah. his trajectory and how he created Potato Corner, again, all started out when he did AIM. What was that like for you? Jomag, I, I know Jomag. He came from a different program, the Master's Entrepreneurship Program. I was an MBA. But yeah, I agree with him. My student name was transformational, particularly because of the people that you actually met, right? Your gurus and the mentors that you, you met along the way, 
were very impactful in that sense. And I know some of Joe Mag's mentors and, you know, I know how impactful they are, right? And those can be life-changing, not just game-changing, but life-changing. But also at the same time, the knowledge transfer, because AIM was very unique at the time because we employed the case study method, meaning, you know, it was the same method that, that Harvard used, Darden used, and so on. And the cases... You know, you're not going to remember the specific name of the companies that were in the case or the specific people, but you'd remember the situations that you were in, right? So it was also a transfer of wisdom along the way. But, you know, like, I think it's similar also to an incubation, right? They put you in, into this pressure-packed situation for like two years. I, my program at the time was two years. So you're going to really mold into something else when you come out. That is amazing. Okay, so after you came out, you had a metamorphosis moment. You, you're put in this pressure cooker and you got out a brand new person, right? What was the mindset there and what are the type of opportunities you wanted to do? Sure. So after I got out of AIM, it was really you know, about creating something positive, right? As I mentioned, I was looking for something that I was not only just passionate about, but also something that was highly impactful. It's not just about the money at the time, right? So I was still trying to figure it out and I met met my mentor over there. He was my professor at the time. His name's Jay Bernardo. Shout right? out, Jay yeah, Bernardo. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, still work with him up to now. Yeah, with right? Startup Village. Yeah, with Startup Village. And what do you call this? Yeah. You know, we started working on this foundation that advocated for entrepreneurship through education. Right? So, I got entrenched in entrepreneurship more and more. Eventually, I ended up teaching teaching the, the stuff. And then obviously you practice what you preach. And that's when we started getting crazy doing different types of businesses along the way. So that's amazing. But let's just zero in and give Jay Bernardo his flowers again. So he's sort of like this mythological creature. People know of him, <laughs> but there's a lot of new kids now who probably don't know who Professor Jay is. So why is he such a pivotal guy in your career? And well, what was his background? Oh, he himself was an entrepreneur. He was an MBA in AIM as well, graduated, I believe, with distinction, what they call this. And after AIM, he was a pioneer in the whole outsourcing industry, mm. right? He did toll manufacturing oh. for, ah, okay. uh, toll manufacturing for, what they call this, Johnson Johnson. Wow. Unilab. FMCG. Payment, FMCG. And, okay. You know, that's where, you know, then he eventually expanded that beyond just toll manufacturing to warehousing, logistics, quality assurance, and so on. So, and, you know, I learned a lot from him, continue to learn a lot from him. Yeah, been working with him for the past almost, what, 20 wow. years old. If you, right? if you spend that much time with someone, I'm pretty sure there are some indelible things that you just can't forget. If you're just going to sum up, say, in top three or top five things that you've learned from Jay Bernardo, quick, quick hits. What, do you quick th what hits. are those things that are embedded with you now from him? Creativity and innovation, I think. Dealing with people and clients, being unique and impactful all at the same time. Right. I think those those are the three things that, you know, I would highlight. That is amazing. And imagine if 20 plus years working with him, that would really stick, right? That's a very, very potent mix of experiences and plus a mentor. Because we all need that, right? At the end of the day, 
and there's no one rule, right? We're, we're fortunate if we get someone who's like as, as legit as a BJ Bernardo and you really get to see them, not just get to meet with them, see them do their hustle because there's so much that you learn. But there are also experiences where like in Startup Village where you're going to have to take something from somebody else one at a time, right? And whatnot. But having access to those mentors who just don't talk the game, but also play the game very well, just leaves a life-changing mark. Yeah, and... That. I was fortunate enough to, especially during earlier in my career, really see how it's done, right? Correct. Because done you know, the right way, done also. the right way, mm. and also at the same time, you know, I have to give it to him. He also developed me, right, as a quote-unquote partner and employee at the time. But I was able to see how things were done firsthand, right? But also, you know, while having fun at the same time. Yes. Right. Yeah, he so, did have fun. <laughs> yeah. Jay Bernardo is all about being fun. And up to now, up to now. <laughs> you see it in the picture, man. That's so, it. Uh-huh. So, so, but that, yeah, but I couldn't be more grateful for that. Absolutely. Right? Couldn't right. be more grateful for that. But again, we have to take our first break because you can't, you're not just a protege. You also hustled as a founder. But when we come back, we will now talk about your hustle, becoming an entrepreneur, being a founder, founding your own startup, and how that eventually led to Startup Village. Well, let's talk about that more after the break. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey guys, I have a very, very exciting opportunity I want to share with you guys. If you're a B2B startup founder, listen up. Your ticket to growth is here. Introducing Impact24, the Philippines' largest B2B SaaS challenge. Calling all startups in their pre-launch, pre-seed, or seed stages. This is your chance to accelerate their growth. Submit your pitch to Impact24 and get ready for a 10-week intensive program to elevate your solution. What's in it for you? How about up to 500,000 pesos in MVP project support, exclusive credits from industry partners, personalized mentoring, and a shot to pitch at SASCON PH, the country's biggest SAS conference this April. But yo, you gotta hurry up because submissions close on January 26, 2024 already. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your startup to new heights. Apply now at saschallenge.ph that's sasschallenge.ph. And good luck, and I'll see you guys in Impact 24. And we're back from the break. We are still with Carlo Galimon of Startup Village, who then told us the foundational hustles and influences that he got. But again, all of this is always just a lead up to your turn becoming a founder. 
But before you became a founder, did you have, after AIM, you mentioned that you have several stuff that you had to do. Was it something that stuck right away or did you have multiple tries? I want to know what those were until it became Mobcard. Yeah. So after grad school, I worked with Jay Bernardo. We were the ones who helped integrate entrepreneurship in the national high school curriculum. What? So, yeah. So the framework that DepEd is using, especially for entrepreneurship. Wow. That, this was the work that we did from 2006 to 2012 was the frameworks that I helped craft, right? So you could just imagine, right? As I mentioned, I was learning through the journey as well, right? Being an educator first as a mentor and then eventually starting this. So a lot of it also matching theory with practice, right? As we went along, especially if we're talking about entrepreneurship education. Then while we were working on that, Jay and I helped start a, a new business. It was one of the first app for into apps at the time, as early as 2009. Oh, wow. Right? So just imagine getting into the whole technology apps business at the time was crazy, challenging, and expensive. The trends were pointing towards, you know, if you look at the trends, you do environmental yeah, yeah. analysis, everything, the next big thing. Mm-hmm. everything was supposed to be moving along this way, but it didn't, right? So that particular business crashed and burned unfortunately. But there was a lot of learnings along the way, right? Like that's why when we mentor, when we teach, it's always about that wisdom that, no, I'm not going to do that again, right? And it is with the people that we meet so that they also don't experience the same thing, right? We did that. And then, yeah, a few years later, that's when Mobcard came out, right? Still with Jay Bernardo. So we were working on it together as well with the other co-founders. And yeah, it just began, you know, as any, like any other thing, started off with an idea, right? And obviously, like any other idea, the hustle was there, right? We had to constantly, you know, pivot and reinvent that idea. But the big break, I think, came out, at least with that concept, when that same concept, it wasn't even called Mobcard at the time was part of the first batch of idea space. Exactly. This is how OG this guy is. The first batch of the idea space competition. But bro, before we talk about idea space and what Mobcard is, again, failure leaves an indelible mark. And sometimes when you fail, it doesn't mean that you're not going to fail again. But having that very first taste of your own blood when you fail, again, teaches you a very big life lesson. Can you talk about that very first failure that before MomCard happened? What were those biggest learnings and what was the big takeaways that you got there? There were a lot of learnings, especially with that first startup. Mm. From, you know, hustling left and right, but things not going your way. Trying to figure things out. Even if, you know, you've done your homework, you've done your research, you've, you know, you've done market validation as we, you know, call it now. Right, we've done all of that and still didn't work. Right? Was it a timing thing? Was it too I, early for its game? I think it was a timing thing, but also at the same time, remember how we also asked this question amongst founders: Why you? Mm. Right? And I think that you know, while the concept was good, while it was ahead of its time, maybe I wasn't the right person to to actually do it. Right. So I wasn't really the right person to solve that particular problem because there was a problem uh, that we wanted to to solve at the time. But, you know, I think it's a combination of that timing. And at the same time, yeah, maybe I, I wasn't the right person to solve that problem. 
That's amazing. Now, okay, when you get to Mobcard and talk about again, we're carbon date ourselves in 2013 here. <laughs> yeah. what, talk about again what the idea was in Mobcard, ideally, when you joined Idea Space and what was that journey very early? Because again, the version of Idea Space now, they, they just celebrated a 10th year, 11th year? 10th year, 10th year. Literally earlier this uh, year. A couple right? of weeks ago. Yeah. And again, we've come a long way. We went from literally having nothing to that talk to us about again the 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 first version of mob card and how did the idea space opportunity throw you into this world of tech ecosystem and tech yeah. startups so you know we were already in into entrepreneurship at that time right but obviously you know there's a slight difference in terms of starting up in our world right so more technology more innovation deeper right not your typical you know food stall or, you know, traditional business. When we began with Idea Space, it was, at the time, just focused. They were also focused on just ideas. Yeah. Right? Right now, you would see that, you know, from a stage perspective, they moved on a little bit, a, little, a few notches accelerator. higher. Yeah. Uh, more advanced in terms of your progress, in terms of your status. But during that time, it was really just an idea. Right? The purpose of the, the program was really to find these ideas, nurture these ideas, really incubate them and so on. So yeah, it was a, it was a great experience. You know, we were mentored, we were, we were incubated also in this, you know, this space, right? The MGO building right behind the current PLDT office. We were just quote unquote squatting over there in between some of the executives office. But yeah, we met a lot of people. Up to now, good friends up to now. Still talk to a lot of them up to now. But there were a lot of learnings as well as we went along during that journey that we felt as educators and, and even before educators and entrepreneurs that, you know, we said, you know, there's still a lot that we can do. Right. So, yeah. But, you know, a lot of pivots happened during that time. A lot of crazy, you know, stuff happened during that time too. And I think everybody was learning from each other as well. Not not just us, but even the people from Ideaspace. Because we, we were, you know, like... We were the guinea pigs. Like any other pioneering batch, <laughs> we were the guinea pigs, right? So they right. not only did we make mistakes, they also made mistakes with us along the way, which is fine, right? No, nothing against, right? But everybody just had to learn and evolve as well, right? Right. But let's just go down to the basics. What was MobCard when you initially founded it? And had you mentioned the pivots. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about the pivots and the the hustle and the struggles that you guys had to overcome during that. So the original concept for Mobcard, it wasn't even called Mobcard at that time. What was but, it For those uh, young kids, called, there's a lot of young kids. I, I swear to God, I bumped to them. Hi, I've been listening to you. How old are you? It's like, I'm 22. Holy shit, you're too young for me. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just give them a bit, a bit of context that, you know, the startup ecosystem has been around for, for quite a while now. Again, MobCard 1.0, what was it? MobCard 1.0 was using big data to basically enhance the loyalty experience uh, for customers. Mm. So that was that was early, like it was still early at the time, right? 2013 and so on. So we were already talking about big data at the time, right? Take note, I'm not a tech guy, so my, my co-founders are supposed to be responsible for the tech. Correct. But I am the market guy. I'm the business development guy. So, but 
if you align that to my story, because I used to study in AIM, right? And I used to study there for two years. Mm-hmm. I'm so Koripot, right? I'm always, <laughs> uh, I'm always looking for these good deals because remember, I was studying full time. Right. Right. And, you know, that's when. And AIM is not cheap, bro. That's what it is. Nuh-uh. So it was more of a, it was aligned to what I used to experience also in terms of, you know, being a consumer, looking for these great deals and so on, right? So and that was how it started. And the, the idea or the vision was really to get all of this data to come in so that we create better opportunities for loyalty and obviously, you know, available deals for the benefit of, you know, more consumers and so on. So that's how it started. Okay. And how did that pivot? I mean, they were there because we all, here's the thing. Anyone that started in 2012, 2013, 2014, I can probably name in one hand who's, who was doing some the same shit before and is still around. And the only guy that comes into mind is Ray Rifundo. Everyone from that batch is dead or are doing something else. I just can't think of anyone. Caliber, in fairness to them, they, they, they're still around, but my God, they all they died so many times, right? You, you, you can also mention the Chino of Time Free as well. Oh, who's right, also right, my batch. Right. They're still mm-hmm. around. They're still, you know, yeah. doing all of these queuing systems and so on. Mm-hmm. But yeah, what are the pivots? We realized that, you know, when we talk about big data at the time, obviously you needed to have more data. Mm. But how did you, how do you generate that data? So <laughs> instead of focusing on big data, and said, okay, we don't have data to process in the first place. Right. We need to figure out how to gather that data. Yep. So we needed to level down the idea a little bit, right? And go back to the basics. We needed to make sure, okay, what if we just created first your mobile loyalty app mm. so that you can, you're able to gather all of this data from your customer. So we, we, it's, it's like the initial version was like five steps away. We needed to start off with. You know, step one or step two. Right? So yeah, because again, it's a timing thing. You wanted the the overall goal was da- big data play, but without data, you're gonna have to play the data capture game, right? And yeah, so so that you can now build on top of that. Yeah, I know. So and it wasn't that easy because there were no data points at that time, right? And <laughs> no like now, even <laughs> no APIs either, right? And everybody was like, okay, even if you're right now, we're talking about data privacy and data sharing and so right, on. Right. At the time, there wasn't even anything like that. So you needed to generate your own data, but obviously you needed to, to get consumers to actually move and act, generate the data and eventually process that data. Right. So that's how it was. Yeah. And then how was the next pivot? And then all of a sudden, again, what were the hard lessons learned here? Because a lot of, a lot of us are, are very first batch. Again, dude, I'm now in my third startup, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Y'all know it is the first startup. I tried everything too, crash and burn, lost everything. Right. Still hurts still now, but you just learn how to do it. But again, no matter how you think you've overcome certain stuff that ah, I've been here before, when it comes, there are gonna be times where holy shit, I'm down in this ditch again. Right. But again, it those people that from our batch that are still around kicking it right now, we are the the silverbacks. Right, we are the ones that are now teaching because we're teaching the stuff that we wish we had when we were starting out. But again, it's not just teaching from from the books. We're always teaching from experience. What were those experiences that you that are really 
gruesome and painful that that you that you still remember going to the mob card hustle? Yeah, so you know, there's so much lessons along the way, right? We make might take like just you know a day or two just to be able to go through that, but <laughs> the hustle was real first and foremost. The hustle was real. Mm-hmm. One thing that we learned was, you know, the principle of build it and they will come, or even if they say that you know they actually want it. It doesn't always apply, right? So that's why it's it takes a lot of convincing and proving yourself and coming up with decisions left and right, right, to convince people to to actually use the platform, right? And at that time also, it wasn't that easy to get people to download the stuff, right? It was a little early, I believe, at the time, and infrastructure-wise, you know, it wasn't there yet as well. Mm-hmm. Though the concept, I think, is still very good. I remember. During that time, you know, we kept on ideating and innovating. That I remember early as 2014. You know how QR codes are being used now for redeeming all of this stuff. We were already thinking about it way back 10 years ago. Yeah. Right. So, but you know, that number one, I think that's one. Secondly, you know, one of the lessons that we learned was I would have done a lot of things differently in terms of how we built the team and built the product itself. Right, because I guess we were overly excited, especially when we got a little bit of investment. We started hiring more people and things like that. Then, you know, things got crazy. Right. Yep. Another thing, another lesson is that, especially when you're with a startup, especially with our definition of a startup, it's a long play. Right. You're not gonna get same situations like you know our neighboring Asian countries because the situation and the environment is so different there. Here in the Philippines, it's going to take you much longer and you're going to hustle like three, four times harder than everybody else. But the nice thing is that, you know, during that same experience, you actually found real people, right, that really supported you and really believed in what you did. Yep. Right. And after all these right? So you'll have doubters, you'll have people who are questioning you, but at the end of the day, it's the people who understand what you're doing that's that that's what matters, right? So you you know who stands in your corner, correct? Right? Who's got your back, technically? Yeah. Right? Yep. So in this point, I also remember that at one point while you were doing mom card, that's also the time around 2017 when Startup Village was born, and that's the primary topic of what we talked about. Because again, you've been around for quite a while now, 2017 up to 2023. Uh-huh. Right, mm-hmm. pre-pandemic, post, during pandemic, and post-pandemic. Right, those are very, very different dynamics of what that was. But what led to Startup Village being created? I think it all started when we were fortunate enough to have won this award, and the prize was a trip to Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. Right, I think that was the turning point, and we realized, being educators ourselves, we realized that we have a lot, still a lot of knowledge and wisdom that we can give. Right. So that's how it all started. Then certain pieces of the puzzle just materialized. You know, suddenly we had the space in at the city club and so on. And we were trying to figure out what to do with it. Right. And then like any other opportunity, you know, we just saw this opportunity and just grabbed it. Right. But we went back to our core in that sense. Right. Jay being an entrepreneur, myself and being an entrepreneur, but both of us being educators as well, especially him. He is a guru of entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Right. We said, what if we created these programs that would allow us to help nurture and support startups? And timing wise, as I mentioned, Idea Space was vacating the idea 
idea stage. Zero to one part. Zero to one part, right? Mm. So they were moving on to the next stage, right? So it said, oh, fortunately, you know, that's a space that, you know, there's going to be a big gaping hole, right? And he said, maybe it's time that we picked it up. Because we were already doing these programs, as I mentioned, with the Department of Education, right? right? We were doing programs with a foundation at the time, right? Very, very early stage. So I said, maybe it's that time for us to go back to our core, but obviously looking for not just technology-based startups, but innovative startups, whether it's business model, a new concept, and so on. So, so yeah, so that's how it all started. And that's amazing because, again, when we started on 2012, again, we, we were all, you guys were all the guinea pigs. We're all guinea pigs. At 2017, you had five years of experience now already. We knew what a business model canvas was already. We knew <laughs> how to validate. You knew a little bit of how we to build teams. The funding wasn't there yet. 2017 was still, you know, extension. We were celebrating 100K or 50. If you had a 100K check, my God, you're a superstar here in the Philippines, right? Now look at this 100 like, <laughs> Okay, that's cute. But I want to understand at this point now, all right? So you wanted to go to the very, very start of the journey, right? How did you develop the, and what were those programs that you developed at the very early stage? And what type of founders or students? Because again, we came from a very educational background. Did you guys attract? So basically, we looked at the same entrepreneurial process that we would have taught in uh, the master's entrepreneurship program. Mm-hmm. We, we had this framework in, in AIM with the master's program or even at Ateneo, wherein we looked at self-mastery first, environmental mastery, and then what they call this enterprise mastery. Right. So the, these three masteries were very crucial, we believe, in terms of developing entrepreneurs. What we just did was the framework initially was created for obviously the masters, meaning you already have a business, it's about growth. Got it. What we did was we looked at the same formula and leveled it down to some to an early founder. But remember, we created the curriculum for that at way back. Right. We did a lot of TOT, training of teachers. We were also the ones who trained the SME counselors of DTI, mm-hmm. right? There was so much knowledge there. We just needed to refine, recalibrate, repurpose, right? Into our first program, which, which was called The Gift, right? So up to now, we're actually already on our 12th batch. Wow. Since, since that time, during that initial stage, we had like, we had so many students. We had... I remember you had Jinri Park at one point. We had Jinri Park at one point. Yeah. We had celebrities at one point. Even Catriona, I think, at one point. Catriona passed through the program, Max Collins and so on. Why? Because they wanted to be able to maximize their club earlier on. And right. as you know, with celebrities now nowadays, careers don't <laughs> last as long. Right? Yeah. Eh, yung mga Diamond star, super, uh, no, no, mega star, right? No. Uh, uh, ano mo yan, right? So, no, no, no. <laughs> panahon Sharon right? <laughs> <laughs> Conetta, right? They're all still around, but you, there's a, there's fewer of them now. Oh my God. Right? The, the, the celebrities that cut across generations, right? Yeah. So they wanted to leverage on that. But also at the same time, we had a lot of, because of the whole startup hype also, or entrepreneurship hype that was happening. Mm. There were a lot more career or, you know, what they call this employees, right? Yeah. Who wanted to shift, but they didn't know how, right? And they wanted to come up with something new, something different, get into a startup. So we needed to guide them accordingly. 
right? So yeah, so that's how it all it all started. So we did have a few students, but obviously the challenge was timing because some of them had school. So we didn't have too many college students, but we did have a lot of celebrities at the time. Nice. Also executives or you know career employees, right? So, so actually, bro, I'm I'm gonna come clean. I I never got to f- really ask the business model of Startup Village with you. I mean, we've been, we, we see each other every once in a while and whatnot. But for you guys to, to continue to thrive this way, right? It can't just be all coming outwards. How does this whole machine work? Because of course, everything that you're doing is there to pay it forward, to educate and whatnot. I get it now because you, I didn't even know that you're an educator from the get-go. I knew you as a hustler already, right? I didn't know the, the story before that. But I want to understand, right? Again, in order for, for this thing to, to keep going, there needs to be a real business model. How does that business model work for Startup Village? So before the pandemic, the business model was very simple, right? We had the short-term and a long-term business model. The short-term was basically we had a co-working space that was filled to capacity. We were even expanding it at the time, except the pandemic hit us, right? So we had to figure things out after that. But the long-term business model, I think, is still typical of any other incubator and accelerator. You know, you, know, you typically talk about, you know, advisory shares or commissions and so on, right? So it's the same thing. But I think after the pandemic, you know, we had to differentiate ourselves, right? Especially since, you know, DOST started to host or sponsor school-based incubators and so on. Yep, which TBIs. I'm part of the panel, the TBIs. I'm part of the panel that approves them, so it's fine. Nice. So... Like any typical entrepreneur, we had to figure things out, right? You lose your you lose your main source of short-term revenue, which was the co-working space. We needed to figure things out. So we were fortunate also at the time that, you know, the pandemic hit. And fortunately, we were able, we were created, creative enough to create programs with USAID. Thus, we were able to tap grants for the short term. The grants. Right? So we were able to do, get grants. Also, we had to, as a village, create new products as well, right? So I said that I, for one, I don't like reinventing the wheel a lot of times, which, you know, a lot of people, you know, copycatting and, and so on. I, I don't like doing that, right? I don't, I don't want to be like contrary to somebody else, just copy and, you know, we're doing the same thing. I don't like doing that. So I'd rather create something new, something complementary. And like any other entrepreneur, we created similar programs. We we have engaged, which is immersion trips at various centers of innovation. That's why I'm in Silicon That's Valley. That's why I don't know where you are majority of the time. Like, bro, so, first thing I before I, I go, bro, are you in the West? <laughs> <laughs> so so I'm I'm in Silicon Valley twice a year. Expanded the program to Canada, right? And we're seeing how we can do the same in other countries as well. So we're the only ones who do that. Yeah. We also created a matchmaking platform. Basically, you know, if you look at the role of an incubator and accelerator, it's also matchmaking, right? But typically, you would get them matched to an investor. But for us, what we decided was we wanted to match our startups, right, with potential customers so that they can build traction. Then the investors will come after, right? So that's why we're also leveraging our our experience teaching interconnections with with you know rice organizations we say okay we're helping startups gain more traction let's match them with msmes 
So we're helping digitize MSMEs by matching them with startups. Nice. So instead of competing or creating competing programs, which are typically the same, right? And alam mo naman, right? Startup founders like Asawa and oh, another accelerator. I don't have time for it anymore. Yep, it takes yep. too much time. So what we said was, okay, we'll create a program that complements everybody else. Right. And you're the only one who's really doing it effectively because again, the, go, the Go Negotiation Network that you have plus startups, those are, if you match them well, they have very symbiotic problems that you can work with. And again, I'm very, very impressed about how you guys do the, the immersion thing because again, Sometimes, actually, no, majority of the time, what we, a lot of Filipino founders here just lack the overall horizontal overview of, holy shit, I can solve this problem in the Philippines, but it also exists elsewhere. And that's why when they present their startup, it sounds like a a lifestyle business. I want to be the biggest delivery app in Marinduque. Okay, you can be the the biggest delivery app in Marinduque. But what after what's after that? You know, it, it's hard to to really understand how big you can possibly be and how you can be qualified if you don't see it from the big boys. How pivotal is that? The, those immersions and what what is the typical experience of those people that do the immersions with you? And what do you go make them go through when they go okay. to Silicon Valley yeah. in Canada? So what what we did was we created this program because we said that you know when I was there, you know, I was a great experience as well. But I said. To be honest, na beaten ako because we were also the first batch of winners <laughs> during that time. Nice. So did they feed we went, you in and out? Yeah, we did. We okay. <laughs> in and out. First stop, all the time. I don't care where you end up. In and out is the first stop. Okay. Yeah. So, so I said that you know when we were evaluating that particular program, you said, "Can I come back again next year, even if I was your driver?" Right. I'd volunteer. Just bring me along. Right. True enough, the following year, I was their driver, but also at the same time, we started organizing it. But what we did was we recrafted the programmer in, you know, there are Silicon Valley tours available that you can pay for and so on. But the difference is when we do it, we actually go into the companies, meet people, and have learning sessions with the companies that we visit. So you're actually learning from people, for example, in Google. You're learning from people from... AWS, you're learning people from Salesforce, right? You're not just there to take a photo of the sign or just go to the swag shop and buy some stuff, right? You're actually meeting and getting inspiration from people that are actually working there, right? So that's the access that we provide. And over the course of, you know, what, the past seven years since we've been doing it, right? We've seen a lot of shifts in terms of mindset amongst the participants. Everybody's inspired, but also ultimately, you know, what we one of the things that we wanted to achieve was the same people would take whatever learnings that they had and start now sharing it within their companies, within their community, so on. So that was the objective because we keep on talking about Silicon Valley or these various centers of innovation, but nobody even knows what it looks like. Right. Nobody knows how it feels. Silicon Valley in the Philippines is a computer shop in SM. There you go. <laughs> Silicon Valley. <laughs> that's true, right? So the blue logo, that's it. <laughs> the blue and yellow logo. <laughs> so so that's what you aim to do, right? And and that's what we've been doing for the past seven years. Been very effective. Decided to expand it to Canada, but obviously creating a different flavor. Because what we wanted to do was basically replicate the same format but 
obviously Toronto is different from Silicon Valley. Right, so we needed absolutely. a different valley, right? So it just so happened that collision happens in Toronto. So we created this package where, okay, you're already in Canada. We'll go there. At the core of it is your experience, collision experience. 40,000 people, yeah. thousands of startups. Super Bowl of startups right there. Precisely. Mm-hmm. And then the, after that, we combined that with the whole immersion experience. And we did it last year, uh, just this year, right? And we're, we're doing it again next year. There you so, go. Right. And we, we, like what I said, I think our advantage is that, you know, as Startup Village, we're creative and innovative in terms also of the programs that we create. Right. Right. But still aligned, obviously, to everything that we do from MSME support to startup development yeah. and so on. So That's amazing. I mean, last week before, uh, last, last, last question before we take our last week. Again, I'm sold. Uh, if I'm a new startup founder, shit, I want to go to Toronto. I want to go to the Bay Area. I want to go to Silicon Valley. What's the resources like in terms of me being able to qualify and join these, these immersion trips? So the immersion trips are actually uh, open, right? Anybody can sign up for it. We do charge a program fee, right? And then we, we, we are also able to help you choose accommodations and flights along the way. But we don't, don't want to control that also. You have the option, let's say you want to use this particular airline, you want to stay with your family, that's fine, right? What we only charge is the program fee. And it's open to everybody. But How much is the program fee, if you, if you don't mind? The, the, the program fee is 1,800 US. That's not bad. That is not bad. Okay. Right. Because if you went to the US randomly like a random schmuck, if you book flights, right? Again, coming back, I've been to the US three times already this year. You're probably going to send what? Two, 2,500, 2,500 to 3K, depending on your accommodation and your flight. Right. But you would have no chance in hell if you're going to go randomly like a random schmuck to go to the Google campus to the Facebook campus, to all these songs, unless you have really hustled your way. But to the fact that you get access to this and you get learning sessions out of that, right? And probably some some free swag too, which is very good. <laughs> Dude, how much again? 1700 uh, 1800 1800 yeah. is too late. Because yeah. what you're paying for is access to the network. Yeah. Right? And that curated experience that you will not get if you went there randomly. And don't forget, we still pass by in and out. Yeah, so yeah, it's 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 always been great. It's always been an uh, effective program. Recently we started working with a few universities. Nice. Just this year and even you know moving forward next year. But it's open. Anybody can sign up for it. But we are trying to create packages also so that younger startups, yeah, even people from the incubator network. Especially the ones that are D- DOST um, right. funded or supported mm-hmm. can get a better rate. Because to be honest, you know the program fee is nothing. Bulk of the expense is still your travel, your airfare, right. and accommodation, right? And so, the type of food you eat or the type of places you go to—that's it, right? Yeah. Right. But it's you can survive on McDonald's and uh, you know, yeah, but in you and out. But... Look at your in one week. Look at your waistline after. <laughs> We balance it now with a little bit of walking though so that at least you know we balance (laughs) Chick-fil-A will make you fat I swear swear but it's super good but okay but yeah that's I'm a total believer of this because my my Silicon Valley experience I really dude I've been to the US so many times but I've never gotten my chance 
till now, I haven't, haven't gotten a chance to go to the Facebook campus, Google campus, and all these things. I have to really be sporadically. The only place I've gone to is Slack's office. That's mm, it. Yeah. Right? The, the city. Yeah, and outside, you're gonna see a lot of homeless. You're gonna, you're gonna have to holy shit. What are we gonna do? And if you don't know where you're going, you're wasting your opportunity being there, right? And again, the type of people, it's hard to catch. If it's already hard to catch people that matter in the Philippines, imagine how difficult it is to be able to talk to people that matter in the valley. It's hard. So again, I wish I did this when I was younger, but it, I'm too tied up. With some under, uh, <laughs> at the moment, I'm super sold. Just I, fortunate I, that we're, you know, what we're doing with engage and so on aligns with right the whole bigger picture that we what, that we want to accomplish with Startup Village. So absolutely. All right, now let's take our last break, and when we come back, we will now talk about the lessons of how a Carlo now teaches startup founders and all that. But we'll talk about that more after the break. <laughs> Hey, Hustlers, it's time to talk business once again, and we're excited to share a bit more info about our sponsors, Sprout Solutions. And again, just like what I said at the start of the episode, you should check out Sprout's Payroll Starter as you grow your own startup. Because this bundle that they have is literally what you need to take your startup to the next level as you grow your employees. And this bundle is your key to freedom, including payroll outsourcing to experts, a subscription to timekeeping and attendance software, and government compliance services. Sprout's Payroll Starter has you covered for payroll, BIR, SSS, and taxes. All the stuff that no founder loves to do. So let Sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax payment stress. All this for as low as 5,000 pesos. Again, that's just 5,000 pesos all in for your payroll and HR needs. So visit sprout.eh payroll-starter-monthly-5k or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your business management game. And again, big thank you to Sprout Solutions for liberating your time for what truly matters. Hey, hustlers, wish there was an easy way to open a bank account and grow your money without the hassle of lengthy application process and income documents? Well, I got good news because today's sponsor, Uno Digital Bank, is here to help you achieve your financial goals. You can easily open an account with the Uno app in just five minutes and one valid ID. And as one of the six digital banks licensed by the Banco Central ng Pilipinas, the company is committed to providing customers with simpler, better, and more accessible banking. Last year, Uno Bank was recognized by the Asia Banking and Finance Awards and bagged the title Open Banking Initiative of the Year due to the success of its partnership with Gcash, one of the Philippines' leading mobile wallet platforms. And with the Uno mobile app, you can access an hashtag UnoReady savings account and enjoy daily interest crediting. With their hashtag UnoEarn or hashtag UnoBoostTime deposit accounts, you can enjoy a high interest rate of up to 6.5% per annum. Enjoy monthly payouts with hashtag UnoEarn and flexible tenors with hashtag UnoBoost. Other app features include pay bills, the Uno Virtual Debit MasterCard, life insurance, scan and pay with QRPH, and phones. And the one thing that I really love about Uno Digital Bank is they're open to collaborate with a lot of Filipino startups. I've had a chance to see the partnerships that they've had lined up with the startups that they have, and it's truly exciting to see how a digital bank like Uno can enable startups to unlock the power of fintech through digital banking. So if you're ready to elevate your banking experience, download the Uno mobile app today from the Google Play Store or App Store. Or if you want to collaborate with them, I'll be happy to give you an intro. Just shoot us an email at hello at huffleshare.com. 
Hey hustlers, I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023 and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. Not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor Dragon Pay is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels giving your customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. With over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto, buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. Dragon Pay is your trusted choice for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit Dragon Pay is. Dragon Pay was named Fintech of the Year at last year's Philippine Fintech Festival in 2020. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the Dragon. For more details, head on over to dragonpay.ph. That's dragonpay.ph. Trust the pioneer, trust Dragon Pay. And we're back in the break. We are still with Carlo Kaliman again. Told us that amazing hustle coming from a founder to become to becoming again the lead for Startup Village. But bro, at the end of the day, again, we're talking about lessons here and hard-earned lessons and, and painful lessons as well that comes through. Walk me through now the differences that you've seen each generation of startup founders from when you started out to the pandemic. Is there's what I realize now coming from with this end of the pandemic coming through. And we were probably one of them too in Podcast Network Asia. That what the world needed pre-pandemic, during the pandemic, and post-pandemic are very different sets of problems. Mm -hmm. There are startups that were okay pre-pandemic, got fucked in the pandemic, had to find another way. But there are also startups that thrived in the pandemic. In the post-pandemic world, they are struggling. Right, because the dynamics have changed, and you can't really control those things. But in between all of these eras or little t- pockets of time, there's values of entrepreneurship and lessons that apply to all three. What are these lessons that you've seen that apply to each and every cohort that go through the the the, the program? Right. So I, I think very common is still that you need to have that attitude of being a problem solver, right? I think that that's never going to change. As an entrepreneur, as our startup founder, it's all about finding that relevant problem that you want to solve, right? But remember, when you're solving it, you also have to be unique and you have to be challenging yourself to level it all up, right? Mm. The challenge that we've seen a lot of times is that, as you mentioned, you know, people wanting to solve the same problem, just copying whatever's out there, right? You may... You can't have a Zago mentality. Okay. Uh, yeah, they, there is a Zago mentality, right? Uso yon, right? Shomai mentality, right? Oh, patok ko si Shomai, pagkatayo ko ng Shomai. Patok si Mirti, Mirti rin yung, yung tatayo ko. But we've seen a lot of that, right? And I always challenge our, our students to say, okay, that's a fine problem to solve because, you know, there's multiple ways to solve the same problem. The only question is, how are you better than everybody else? Right? But also at the same time, there has to be something that is attached to it which is basically, are people going to pay you to solve that problem yes. in the first place, right? People, you know, that was something, some of the lessons that we encountered also in the past. They say, yes, I'm going to pay for it, you know, 
Ron, you're my friend. What do you think about this idea? You say, it's great. Then, are you going to buy it? Yes. Then when the product is there, Ron, where are you? (laughs) You're gone, right? So, Mm -hmm. but that's typical. That's why when we say validate, right, you should be talking to real customers. But remember that that's also not a guarantee, right? Because it has to be a great product. It has to be really something that helps change the way things are being done. And also at the same time, I think that, you know, common still is the way you, you talk to people about your idea, right? Don't be afraid to, to talk about your idea because people are going to give you feedback, whether good or bad, right? Challenge, because sometimes, as you know, this is that people are afraid to share their ideas because they're afraid of being copied. Mm-hmm. But remember, ideas are a dime a dozen, right? And if you're talking about it, somebody goes ahead of you, right, in executing it. It means that you keep you keep on just talking about it, right, and not acting upon it. But uh, there is a challenge right now in terms of fundraising and so on. Yep. Obviously, of the global climate, global situation, which is why I think that the shift right now is not to be investor-focused, but to be customer-focused, meaning it's all about generating revenue. And that's why we do what we do with Startup Village, right? We're trying to match you with paying customers because if you get that traction, you prove your model, investors are going to look at you anyway, right? And maybe another lesson is that now more than ever, founders should be thinking bigger, right? We're too caught up in solving local problems, which is great. But the, the thing is, you also have to think about having that that product, right? How you can scale it to other locations, right? You mentioned, Kalina, oh, I'll, I'll create this ride-hailing app or this, you know, delivery app in Marinduque. All right. After that, where? Or you should be thinking about the next province, the next province, the next province, and so on and so forth, right? And if you can get into Asia or other countries, right, even better, right? And just to share with you, Ron, we're creating this, this new program that's aligned with everything else that we do, okay. right? Just to announce it. We're creating an accelerator program where we have at the end in mind having the startups exhibit at Collision. Mm-hmm. Right? So if you work backwards, right? If you work backwards, the idea is by June, we'll have four or five startups that are ready Holy to shit. that we will exhibit in Collision. That's amazing. The week before that, they're going to have face-to-face sessions, sessions with our partner accelerator, DMZ of Canada. In Canada, it's so you're wow. going to be there one week for collision. The week before that, you're going to be in Toronto as well for the face-to-face sessions. And before that, you'll have your typical mentoring and guidance and so on. Right? But in this case, the objective is not necessarily to gain what they call this, just investment. The objective is to scale you from attraction customer perspective. Right? And just showcase what you've done. And obviously to allow you to to help you reach better markets and more markets. So that's the idea. At the global scale, I mean, I, I literally just came back from the US, right? There's this different set of pride when, you know, with, from people from the US, from, from Canada and whatnot, see that, oh my God, you flew all the way here to hustle. Mm-hmm. And then when you, you're able to just show that you are very much capable and world-class, you don't just bring the name of your company with you. You bring the whole country and the whole ecosystem with you. If you look at it, Ron, the reason why we're doing this is because we need more champions. Yes. Right? We need more champions. In the same fashion that 
Indonesia, you know, pump their communications, everything, their positioning with, you know, the startups yep. that they selected, right? Put them on the map, back them all the way. We need to do the same, Correct. right? But we, we can't wait for these successes just to happen. Correct. We need to facilitate, right, their successes also. Right. We need to create these opportunities where these successes can be generated and can be showcased all at the same time. Yep. So that's what we're going to be doing. We're planning to launch this actually in the next month or so. Nice. Right. So we're just finalizing some of the details, especially the funding for the program itself, because obviously startups don't have the budget to get accelerated. Mm. Right. But I think the model is win-win for everybody and I'm happy to share that with you in the next. And again, th- that, that moment, once you start as a founder, once you start because uh, uh, there, there's a certain pride, right? Okay, there's a Philippine startup week. Hey, I'm th- part of top 100. Okay, great. I'm part of this list. But once you get out of that mode, that all of a sudden you are at the global scale, at the regional scale. I've, I've experienced Echelon. I've experienced Tech in Asia. Yeah, there's a certain level like, holy shit, I'm at this level now. But it's totally different when you get to North America. It, it's a totally different narrative. It's like, I'm not saying it's the end all and be all, but when you're there, it's a different badge, right? Yeah. It's a different badge altogether. And right? when you get there, you're not just there. Uh, well, it's like, again, coming from experience, I've been doing podcast conferences for the past three years now. No, two, three years. Not two years, two years. Two years now, at least two to three times a year. And I go there. We're the only freaking Southeast Asian out there. Yeah, and, the, the, the the Philip, you know, flag and ecosystem in the map. But here's the thing, bro. That what I what I learned. The mindset should be, hey, I'm I'm just happy to be here. I'm grateful that I'm one of the club. No, you need. There's an extra layer of of, of push that you have to do to show that yo, we got all the way here. We deserve to be here, and we are better than most of the or, or we are at par with a lot of yeah. you here. Actually. You know, that's something that I saw when I attended, you know, this conference at Silicon Valley or even Collision just last June. And I saw that, gosh, some of these concepts are easily done here in the Philippines. Yep. Right. And there's no difference. In fact, I've seen the companies that are much better than what's being exhibited here. Right. right? So why are we limiting ourselves? Right. And I, and I think, you know, based on my experience, not just talking to startup founders, but even entrepreneurs themselves, right? Your traditional brick and mortar type. What I noticed is that there's a tendency to be content too early yep. and to be complacent and say, you know, I'm fine. I'm making money anyway. Right. And typical entrepreneur, why fix it when it isn't broken? That actually opens the doors for somebody else to beat your ass and, you know, yeah. get you shut down, right? But the ones who are hungry, the ones who constantly innovate, and the ones who believe and have pride in what they're doing, they're the ones who you see out there, right? And they're the ones who really become successful. But it's not to say that your idea or concept isn't good, when in fact, actually, your concept and your execution is great, except that you just have to think a little bigger. Yeah. Right. And as an entrepreneur, you should have always that unending thirst. I agree. To really, you know, what's the next level up? And and that is as, as a founder, as a CEO, or whatever your your job is, if you're listening to this, you should always see that there's always a next level up. I, I think it points back to your your vision and values also as an organization, right? Some people could say, 
I think Filipinos have that also tendency na parang, okay, I just want to get rich, I'm satisfied, I'm, I'm comfortable. Not realizing that hey, what you're doing is creating much better impact. Yeah. Right? And, and some people forget, especially with the new generation now, leverage natin yung puso. Right? The new generation, the millennials or the Gen Z or whatever, right? If you look at them, they're, they're looking for something that they're passionate about. Right? And a lot of them are very passionate about helping other people. Yeah. Right? But remember, if, if you don't do well with your startup, mm-hmm. it also means that you're limiting the number of people that you can help. Correct. But if you constantly think, hey, I need to grow this, I need to grow this, right? Because as I grow this com- company, as more people use my product or service, the more impactful I become, the more people I, I help, right? Then it becomes better for everybody, right? And then the money and so on, they'll just come after that. Automatic naman yun, right? But it's really having that desire to help people, right? Create change, right? But that begins with the person's vision. If your vision mo is para yumaman, maybe hindi ka pang startup. Nah. Right. There's other ways to There's other ways to without, you know, the, the startup game, I always say it, right? Uh, before I was like, dude, yeah, you should do a startup. Now I always like I always put it with a warning of caution. Are you ready to fuck yourself up? Because this is a battle of endurance. Startup game is a battle of endurance. Entrepreneurship by default is a battle of a battle of endurance, but doing tech startups with the type of growth that is expected of you, the type Even of more so. execution. That's expected of you. There's a tr- several notches higher that you have to be at parang, parang Spartan when you're into here wearing uh, a nice uh, board shorts and a nice summer outfit and you're going to war, you're gonna get killed. Yeah. Right. So but be prepared you, for the gray hair and the <laughs> you know <laughs> ah, the sleepless nights and the, the sleepless nights and, and the, yeah. Right. So but yeah, but like what I said, if you have a bigger vision, you'll push through. Yeah, and again, right. that vision is going to be very, very important because here's the thing. If you start showing that you can compete at a global scale, you don't just show yourself and your team what's possible. If you say, that, oh my God, this startup is killing it at a global scale. You're the only guy that's possible. You know who all you also boost? All your peers and everybody else that now shit, oh my God. This startup did it. They are at collision and they're freaking killing it. I want to be there too. It's possible. Pala. Yeah. That's what we wanted to achieve. That's why, you know, the mantra that Startup Village follows is it takes a village to raise a startup. Right. So in essence, you know, it doesn't matter where you came from. For as long as you are open to us helping you out, we'll help you out. There you go. And even if you came from a different program, it doesn't matter to me. Why? Because if you're successful, I'll help you out. Because if you're successful, everybody becomes successful. Then the ecosystem is all the better. Correct. Right? So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not one to, to be selfish in that regard. That's why I'm trying to figure out ways also where, okay, I want to be able to showcase more startups. I want more incubators to join us during the trip, right? I'll find a way. But like what I said, there's only so much I can do also in terms of, you know, adjusting the program fee and so on because bulk of the cost is not even coming from me. It's from airfare and accommodation. So, but I believe that the more opportunities we create for this, the more everybody's going to become successful, right? And when everybody's successful, right, all the more, you know, we're able to develop more successes as we go along as well. Right. 
So last question before I, I, I we, we wrap this baby up. Harlow, again, you're, you're talking about the successes, right? Talk to me about the successes that you've got created, that you, that you, you, you guys have nurtured within Startup Village. So talk about the startups that you've helped out that, that probably are your best students or your best pupils <laughs> or best incubatees that you did. What, how, how did they start and where, where are they doing now? What are they doing? Well, you know, like what I said, we catch them very early, right? So, but like what I said, we created programs that also attract more mature startups just specifically for these programs. Mm-hmm. There are several success stories that I can think about. One of them started with us as an idea, mm-hmm. right? Just during the pandemic, right? Helped nurture them and so on, incubated them as they were going through ideation, creativity, and so on. Mm-hmm. Now they're they're part of a super app. Wow. Who is this startup? Uh, huh? I don't know if I'm at liberty to say, but one of the startups is already affiliated with a super local super app. Nice, nice. Another one, this happened during the pandemic. We were able to match them. Okay. Right. So from a matching program, we were able to match them to a group of suppliers mm. from Davao. Okay. Right. So not only were we able to help create a new source of supply chain for this particular startup, okay. we were also able to help one of the farmer communities or farmer communities to be able to generate revenue from what they have. So you already know what type of company they are. Right. So that's helping them with their initial expansion in that sense. So there's a lot more. Right. And, you know, some of them may not be in the form of your usual metric, which is, you know, oh, how many have you gotten invested on? But we have been able to create new markets, build connections, right, and introduce some of the startups, right, to other resources that they're going to need also as they grow. All right, that is amazing. Again, thank you so much, Carlo, for sharing that hustle behind Startup Village. But before I let you go, invite people over and and what's next in Startup Village. And if they want to work with you, where do they go and how do they do that? Sure. So I'd like to invite everybody to always check us out. Our website is www.startupvillage.ph. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Watch out for different programs. We're just about to wrap up, wrap up our incubation program, the GIFT 12. We're about to do the GIFT 13 by January for our immersion trips engaged at various centers of innovation. We're heading out to Silicon Valley again, either last week of February or first week of March. Then we're going to do Canada. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Actually, okay pa yun. Okay pa yun tayo. It's yeah. spring. Right. So pretty good. I was there again. I still, I don't know. From my standards, I still froze. Okay. I still had two layers. It's, it's not so bad. You just layer a little bit, but it's not so bad. And then we're doing Canada by June, third week of June in time for collision. At least it's summer in Canada. Don't care during, don't care during the winter. And then freeze your ass off. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to be doing Silicon Valley again, just right after collision. So I'm not going to kill myself with the jet lag. So stay there a little bit longer. And then we'll see. Mm-hmm. Then we'll do. We'll see if we can do another country or another Silicon Valley before the end of the year. Another thing to watch out for, also for startup founders out there, watch out for an announcements because mm. we're we're gonna be calling for an application to join us for that accelerator program that I mentioned. No names yet, but basically the, our objective is put you guys on the map, have you at the very least exhibit 
at nice. Collision 2024. So, so watch out for that as well. Then other than that, you know, watch out for webinars also that we're conducting, learning sessions with our partners. And yeah, if, if you just need help, right, or want to be matched, if you have startup solutions that are appropriate for or fits the MSME market, let us know. We have another program that we're cooking up just for that as well. So yeah, looking forward to hearing from you guys. All righty. Thank you very much, Charlie. But before I let you go, follow us on whatever podcast app you're listening to, whether Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any type of podcast app you see us, five star. Give us a five star. Give us just give us feedback also. So we, we know how we can improve the content. And if we did say some jargon and or any type of notes that you need or links, it's going to be the show notes on hustleshare.com. And lastly, if you want to be participating in our group called the Hustle Share Premium Group, just like our very amazing startup founders and Hustle Share Premium members. I will just give you a quick shout out to all of them real quick to Migo Gonzalez, Angelo Lee, Emilio Limtan, Mont Mendoza, and Gab Abit. Again, thank you very much for supporting. If you want to also be part of how we create this content like them, go to Hustle Share Premium at premium.hustleshare.com. Again, Carlo, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ron. Happy to be here. Right. And thanks for the opportunity to be able to share our story as we go. And I hope it is very helpful to your listeners out there because you know, it's part of wisdom sharing, as we say. Absolutely. Right? All right. Thank you so much, Carlo. I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace.